What's up everyone? Today we've got one of Malaysia's finest. He ascended very quickly from mid-stakes to high stakes, actually abandoning a career in investment banking to play poker, of all things, which he found uh, more liberating and, and more money in it too, who would have thought? In addition, he's also got some other tricks up his sleeves, it turns out, or tricks on the skateboard, who would have thought? We talk a little philosophy, as uh, into stoicism and the practicality of that in poker. He's also become a businessman through poker uh, by purchasing the Asian Poker Tour, APT, and now he's running tournaments in Asia, or helping with that whole process. And stay tuned to find out more. What's up, Michael? Hi, Dan. Thanks for having me. Yeah, well, thanks for taking part in this. Why don't you tell us, how do you get started in Malaysia, isn't it? Uh, I mean, is there much gambling there? I know Paul Fua and those guys are there. I don't know if that's relevant to you. Uh, it it, it kind of is, but not in a related way per se. Um, so I guess like, uh, you know, being from Asia, Asian culture is uh, very conservative when it comes to gambling. And, you know, the, the stereotype whereby Asians think like, you know, uh, poker is gambling and gambling is bad and you're going to lose the family fortune is actually kind of true. So, you know, back then uh, when I was in uh, college, actually, one of my friends asked me to go to his house to play poker at uh, the end of the year during a college break, right? And I was like, nah, I don't want to play, you know, it's gambling, you know, it's, uh, I don't want to gamble, you know, that, that kind of thing. But he's like, no, 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 you got to come, you know, it's fun, you know, you got to come and try and play, it's really fun. And I was like, okay, fine, you know, we'll give it a crack. And, uh, you know, try playing, um, it was really fun and I won some money as well. And uh, yeah, I kind of kind of got hook, got hooked since then. You know, the winning money part is kind of what gets you as well. You know, Sorry yeah, that combination. yeah, fun plus money. Yeah, <laughs> and but that being said, my parents didn't take it too well in the beginning as well, um, because of the you know the whole lose the family fortune thing. Uh, but you know, I just kept playing quietly, and uh, eventually told them that I won a bunch of money, and they're like, "Huh, really? For reals?" <laughs> So yeah, yeah, you know, for real, for reals, I want a bunch of money. They're like, huh, hmm, okay, hmm, we'll see. Yeah, that kind of thing, you know. It wasn't something like that for me with my family anyway. They, they locked up my savings and, yeah. <laughs> Scared you blow the bankroll up playing too high. Yeah, and then uh, they changed their tune a little. I, I'm a little curious of about a couple things here. Uh, so I've heard that there's some part of Asian culture that considers gambling, like communicating, there's like some spiritual element to it for some reason. It's like communicating with the universe, or at least that's in Chinese culture. Is that relevant at all to Malaysia? Um, and there's also a lot of people that gamble in Chinese, in China. I don't know if that's remotely relevant uh, at all. It's just I don't know about communicating with the universe. Uh, not sure about that part of it, but definitely it's embedded into Chinese culture or, you know, uh, even Asian culture. So in Malaysia, there are three main races, um, the Malay people, the Indian people, and the Chinese people oh. as well. So I'm actually half Chinese. My mom is Chinese oh, okay. and my dad is Sri Lankan. So I'm, I'm mixed. So actually right now it's Chinese New Year, you know, the, the period. So Chinese New Year is on the 21st, not 22nd actually. So like everybody's gearing up for Chinese New Year and uh, gambling is a big part of that as well. But more in the fun sense, you know, you gamble amongst your relatives, uh, you know, not too high stakes. Sure. Um, you know, sometimes it gets a bit out of hand <laughs> with, with some people, you know, but not, not for me. Uh, but yeah, you know, it, it's, it's a very accepted to gamble during Chinese New Year with your friends and family. And uh, it's, it's more of a fun recreational thing. Okay. But that being said, um, we do have affinity for gambling, I guess, to a certain extent. 
How does that work? How do you have an affinity but like uh, look down on that? It? It's such a strange thing. And also, did you? Have- yeah, it's, it's like uh, how do you explain it, right? People are not people, okay? Some people, right, like to gamble and they just have this desire, or you know, they find it so fun, you know, it's so thrilling, it's so entertaining, you know, they just have this um, uh, need to gamble, you know. That being said. This leads to, of course, uh, the downward spiral and where you lose the family fortune and, you know, bad things happen. And that's why there's that stereotype whereby gambling is bad as well, you know. But uh, I guess we we, we kind of have a, a bit more of gamble in us compared to, you know, other people to a certain extent. Yeah. That's a little funny. As well. It sounds like a vice. This looks like... It, it kind of is, is a vice, you know. Yeah, it is. Yeah. All right. But it's okay during Chinese New Year. It's fine during Chinese New Year. All is accepted, right. you know. <laughs> Did you have any friends that were coming up with you when you were playing uh, professional poker? Uh, any, or was it just you? Uh, yeah, so that's where the, the funny story comes in uh, regarding like uh, Mr. Paul and Mr. Richard and stuff. Not directly with them, but actually with Waikin. Oh. So actually, there's a small community of poker players and all of us kind of started at the same time. And uh, we, we kind of came up together as well to some extent. So Waikin was actually my foosball friend. You know, like table soccer, foosball. Really? Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, so we competed in foosball competitions right in college, and um, we were in like a similar area in in college, and we used to partner each other and join competitions and stuff, you know. So at one of these events, uh, you know, he was like, "Hey, Mike, uh, you play poker, right?" I was like, "Yeah, yeah, I play poker." Then he's like, "Oh, my dad plays poker too." Then I was like, "Ah, cool. Where, where does he play?" Then he's like, "Oh, with Phil Ivy and Tom Duan." I was like, "What?" <laughs> and that's when this whole two plus two thing, you know, came out, and like you know, Tom Hall was you know telling stories on on two plus two and stuff, yeah. right? And I was like. Your dad plays in this game? He's like, yeah, for reals, you know? And I was like, shit, that, that's so uncanny, you know? And it's kind of weird. But he, I mean, that, at that point, Waikin had just started playing as well. So we used to go and play, you know, some games together and uh, like some poker, poker places and stuff uh, back then. But of course, you know, he kind of like, you know, <laughs> eclipsed everybody else really, really quickly as well. Yeah, but in terms of like um, people who play uh, from the ground up to a certain extent and like kind of like spend a lot of time studying and playing, there were a couple of Malaysian guys that, you know, we're doing it at the time as well. Uh, not too many left. Um, the few that are left are mostly the ones that you see around playing uh, with you, okay. you know. So, yeah, yeah. It's, not, uh, it's not too easy to stay in the scene, I guess, for a long they time. They really are uh, Malaysia's finest, basically. Uh, you and, uh, I guess, uh, Waikin. Waikin, Webster, yeah, Wailiong, Ivan, you know, uh, those guys. It's so funny how you guys connected. Uh, yeah, small world, you know, random. Uh, story checks out, I guess. Um, well, glad you had someone <laughs> out there with you. Uh, I heard you, or I read that you gave up your investment banking job. I like would have imagined there would be money in that. Uh, I feel like I've met. Yeah, I think the kind of is, but you know, um, uh, in Malaysia, I guess the currency is kind of weak compared to the US and other countries as well. Mm-hmm. So when you earn in Malaysian currency, once you convert it, it's not not actually uh, very much. So in university, before uh, getting a job and stuff, I actually. Played a bunch of poker, obviously, and won some money. And um, I decided uh, before I start working, I'll take one year off to travel and play poker. And I said, if I if I win a million ringgit, I'm not gonna go and work, right? And I actually had a scholarship as well, right? Uh, at the point, so I had to had had you know this working requirement and stuff. And then um, did not win a million ringgit, 
right? So, so I was like, okay, fine, you know, time to buckle down and, you know, try and see uh, what jobs are out there. And I, in university, my plan was to become an investment banker because I heard they make good money, right? And of course, it was interesting to me as well, like finance and economics and stuff like this. So I joined um, a local investment bank and I got accepted into their management training program. It was quite a tough program. It's like you had to take four interviews to get accepted and all that kind of stuff. And uh, funny enough, I actually listed poker as one of my life experiences and, you know, like how I... I'm good at the game and all that kind of stuff. And and based on what the recruiter said or like the, the HR lady told me, that actually did benefit uh, my CV. Yeah. You know? Like they actually looked at it as something different and special. And I guess it's quite new age for, for Malaysian Investment Bank to, you know, see the value in poker and the skill sets that you learn, you know, when it comes to investment banking. And I, and I was um, adamant that I wanted to become a trader, you know, uh, equity trader, options trader, whatever, some kind of, you know, stock oh, trader kind of guy, yeah. right? Yeah, for sure. So that's the, I knew that's the direction I wanted to go into. Um, but the thing is, when I um, was in uni, I was playing too much poker, so I didn't oh, study much. So when I went through this program, yeah, whoops. <laughs> when I went through this program, I kind of had to catch up again and, and learn everything from scratch again. Um, so I had to kind of like go through a lot of my uni syllabus again because like all the guys in my, my class were all like really smart. And, uh, you know, they all had masters and stuff. And I was like, this uh, guy with shitty grades <laughs> who plays poker, you know, that kind of thing, you know. So I, I yeah, I had to, like, kind of grind it out. Uh, and I did well. I was, like, the top performer for my batch um, out of all the, the participants. And uh, I got into the department that I wanted to, which was uh, equity derivatives trading. So options uh, and stuff like this, right. And uh, the plan was for me to become an equity derivatives trader further down the line. Mm -hmm. But I start off in the sales team because you got to learn the basics of yeah. it, right. And... Um, so I gave it my all, one hundred and twenty-five percent, you know, and uh, and I and I did well, yeah, in the job. I did well. Uh, they gave me a good bonus. I got a one-year bonus, uh, you know, or whatever it was at the time. Uh, yeah, one-year bonus, pretty much eleven months or one year. And um, it turned out my net, my net take-home, not take-home anyway, my net before taxes was something along the lines of. 30,000 US dollars or something something like this. Well, like for how long? Like was this just like for one for one year one year salary and I work like maybe 60 hours a week something like this. Well, but like how many years? Uh for the the most I ever got paid in the 3 year 3 year span. I worked for 3 years, yeah. So the most you ever got paid in 3 years was 30,000. That's kind of brutal. I mean, that's kind of sad. Yeah, ex it is right, and I was like, if I play one two, I make more money than this, <laughs> you know. So like, yeah, it's it's kind of kind of difficult, you know. And this is like one of the top paying jobs as a graduate in Malaysia, right. you know. Like I was doing really well for for a Malaysian graduate and stuff, yeah. So it's kind of rough. Yeah, in the U.S., it's like an average salary, by the way. By the way, it's like slightly below average salary in the U.S. But the U.S. expenses, I guess, are are higher. Uh, people don't really know that. It's it's not usual to have money in the U.S. <laughs> <laughs> I would have thought. I keep hearing. Yeah. I keep meeting all these like super rich guys in finance in all these places. I'm thinking, what are these guys doing? Um, yeah, so, yeah. But I mean, in America and like Hong Kong and stuff, you get paid really well, like multiples of what uh, what I got paid. So, for example, right when I was in my my training, they sent me to Singapore for a rotation for three months to work in the Singapore branch, and I found out like my colleagues in Singapore have the same same ranking and same role as me get paid. The same amount in sing dollars which is worth three times more than malaysian ringgit for doing the same hours and the yeah. same job you know so time to leave country or yeah. well it's all go back to playing poker oh, there you go. <laughs> yeah time to go back there you go so that's kind of what uh that's how it went for me you know and i decided that you know after giving it uh giving giving it a crack um is just the path didn't seem too bright you know going down this this path so i guess poker is what it was and you know like i, I was quite um, decent at the time, you know, I was, I was a decent player and I wanted to see how far I could mm -hmm. go. 
to a certain extent and so that at least I know that I, I tried it you know and see uh, see what happens you know and I guess it worked out all right I guess yeah was there something that something in the middle of you going from the mid stakes to the high stakes poker or yeah I yeah pretty much so uh, so I was playing you know low mid stakes whatever uh, doing what I was doing and I was winning I was doing well right I was on a heater big heater maybe 2017 or so and then I remember uh, quite clearly actually it was in uh, it was in Barcelona actually and then uh, Ivan was like uh, hey you know uh, when you, are you coming to Barcelona I said yeah I said okay let's have a chat uh, when you when you come you know and uh, Ivan's like I was like okay yeah sure whatever you know and uh, we played against each other in Malaysia a little bit here and there for fun uh, but nothing much you know and then he he comes along and says hey you know um I think you should play super high rollers, you know. <laughs> All right. <laughs> I was like, I was like, uh, I was like uh, yeah, uh, what, what do you mean? Uh, yeah, I said, oh, you know, I'll put you in, you know, like we just come up with some kind of deal and, uh, you know, I think you should play, you know. Yeah, something like this. I was like, hmm, are you sure, you know, that kind of thing. Then he's like, yeah, 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 I'm sure. Don't worry about it. It's fine. You know, just, just go and play, you know. Yeah. So next thing you know, I'm buying into like a 100K Barcelona super high roller, you know. Um, having played the highest uh, a 10K previously before mm -hmm. that, you know. Yeah, so that that's how it began, I guess, and then that's how uh, you know this thing started. It's one yeah. way to get there, I guess. To just uh, have a friend who just buys you in. He's like, you know what? Why don't you make us some money? <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, like, having good friends that that believe in you and support you, you know, it really helps a lot. And and they really did, you know, Mr. Paul, you know, Mr. Richard, you know, Ivan for sure. Yeah, they have helped me a lot. Yeah, know. it's a pretty big gap to go from uh, 10k buy-ins to, or even below that to. Um, 100Ks. I think there's a big difference between 25Ks and 100Ks, personally. No no shit, bro. <laughs> no shit. Yeah, I mean, yeah. I don't think the yeah. difference between 25Ks and 10Ks is that big, frankly. Uh, but, I mean, there's only really... There's some 50Ks, and they're like... The 50Ks are like not really a stepping stone because they're so infrequent. And then there's quite a few 100K buy-in type things. I mean, I guess someone could like go to Triton and be kind of nitpicky if, like, for whatever reason, they could gamble that way. But, like, all the top pros play the 100Ks, and then usually um, 25Ks have all sorts of uh, VIPs and things like that, and lots of people taking shots. Um, so that's that's a big jump. That's like, now you just play with almost all the best players in the world versus, and, like, a few fish or a few VIPs. I mean, the, it is very different... Uh, was it tough? Yeah, of course it was tough, yeah. <laughs> of course it's a different game, you know, but you, you kind of learn to adapt. And of course, like at that point, I was playing a lot, I was studying a lot. So, you know, I wouldn't say I, I caught up, but, you know, I can kind of hang, I guess, kind of. Yeah. So, you know, that kind of thing. Uh, you kind of force, you're forced to, to, to get up to speed, let's sure. put it this way, you know, to a certain extent. Yeah, well, it sounded like yeah. it wasn't too big a video. Um, it sounded like it was a bit of studying and whatever, some experience, maybe a couple of wins helped. Yeah, a couple of wins helped. Yeah, sure. I actually only, I only won one Triton event so far, I think. Yeah, I don't, I don't think I run the best uh, in this Superiolo so far, to be honest. But, you know, I guess that's what everybody says, you know. But I do have video evidence, though. In big spots. It's funny you know, say that with all those uh, trophies in the background. Uh, you want to talk about that? I don't, I mean, I have one Super High Roller Trophy. The rest of them are like, you know, 10Ks and below, you know, that kind of oh, thing. Oh, yeah. that's a casual 10K. Like, no big deal with like, you know, a uh, couple hundred people. <laughs> I, I mean, like in Asia, I, I obviously I won a bunch in Asia because that's where I, I started my career, right? And I played the most. Obviously, there's a very big skill gap between the fields in Asia and Europe, for example, sure. you know. So it is softer, it's easier to win uh, 
to be honest. Yeah, but I did win an EPT high roller as well, so you know that's all right, <laughs> I guess. <laughs> yeah, it qualifies. As it's all kind of the same. Well, it's not really. Sometimes they have like eight people. Uh, some are really soft. I wanna. I think I won a, a super eight. What are they called? Alpha eight high roller. I don't know what that means. Um, in uh, in South Africa with like eight participants, and it wasn't the strongest field ever. Uh, but I guess like that's one way to do it. You have to find the sneaky ones. <laughs> Was the trophy nice? That's important. Did the trophy look good? I don't know where the trophy is. It looks like an eight, I think. <laughs> that's how much it mattered to you than this eight player. Uh, yeah, I mean, like the title is worth more than the actual trophy. Like I just didn't like have somewhere to put the trophy. I was like, all right, whatever. I'll just like ship it somewhere. Um, so what do you use to keep track? Like hand them up, I guess. Yeah, I think. Um, Someone will keep track, uh, mention it for me, I guess. Uh, yeah, I don't have the trophy. <laughs> the, the life of Dan Cates, you know? You don't have don't the, have what, the trophy wall like you do. Like, then it might be different. I might, like, build, like, a, um, I don't know, some kind of scene with it. If I was that. I think you should. I, it makes a nice backdrop, I think, you know? My room's kind of messy, but, you know, yeah. Um, I don't know. I'm, I guess some people must have scenes. Uh, trophy... Uh, walls or whatever the most I don't know it's not something I really I've really thought too much about but I'm sure some players must have that may, maybe Jason Kuhn has a nice one I, I remember I recall seeing in one of his stories he has a nice setup uh, with all his trophies mm-hmm. lined up in the background you know yeah I wonder I guess Phil Helmuth's one must be extra ornate hmm haven't seen it I wonder what it looks like yeah you know. Maybe you should ask him to go and post a picture uh, on Twitter. Yeah, that I should have asked him for sure. Um, so, yeah, tell me... I, I read that you, like, bought APT. Like, I, I guess... I don't know if I... I must have read that right, I think. That you bought it? How does that... How does it happen? Yeah, me and... Me and a few friends uh, actually took over the APT in June uh, last year. Yeah, 2022. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I mean, the discussions uh, started uh, during COVID, mm-hmm. you know, and as back then it was a different environment, right? Like everything was shut down and stuff. So I guess um, the team was looking for someone um, that was passionate about the game yeah. and would be willing to invest and, you know, take the take the brand to the next level. And, you know, we we were a good match because I started my career in the APT, you know. So one of the first tournaments I ever won yeah, was at the APT, you know, like, like 10 years ago, whatever it was, you know. So I'm very familiar with it and I, you know, my partners are as well. And we have good relations with, with the team, and uh, it worked out well, I guess, you know, so far. So far, so good. It's been an interesting journey, you know, going from um, from a player to operator to some extent. Um, how so, how's it been interesting? Well, you know, usually I'm on the side of the player whereby you just want to play, and you want to look you look at things uh, from an EV perspective to a certain mm-hmm. extent, right? And uh, when you're on the operator, you're kind of on the other side. Sure. But that being said, our vision is very different uh, from just a pure profit model. We also want to give the players the best experience we can. Oh, yeah. So that's like at the forefront of our mission. So we're trying to see how we can do that and also make some money at the same time, uh, hopefully at the end, you know. Yeah. Sounds like a good business. Good business is supposed to care about the customers, right? Yes, of course. I mean, like for us, like we, we love the game, right? And my partners as well. And we play a lot. And um, we know we know kind of know what players want. Because it's just a reflection of us, right? Like what we want to see at events and you know how events are sure. run. Um, so I think we do have a bit of insight uh, 
and we do play a lot. Like I do play a lot, you know. So, yeah, maybe not as much uh, the past uh, couple of months with this new business and stuff. But before that, for sure, on the grind, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, well, good marketing also. Um, didn't even think of that. Yeah. I, in fact, you might. Play. Yeah, of course. Yeah, you go. <laughs> I so, in yeah. fact might play a couple APTs. I was like thinking to. I almost played one in Korea, um, but I probably play a couple others. I mean, if it's gonna be like that good for that great of an experience that you're talking about. Uh, yeah, I have a I have a suggestion. Um, on the 28th of uh, April, our Taiwan event starts. So that will be our, you know, um, kind of like a, a big event for us. Let's put it this way. I don't want to spoil anything. Uh, but Taiwan is going to be a big event. Uh, it starts on April 28th. So maybe you can come down to Taiwan, you know, and uh, I'm sure you, you like Taiwan. Right? I, it's an interesting place. Lots of good food, you know. I would. Um, if, like, I was hopping around all these places and my, there's a pretty low chance that I'd personally join, but la- like that would be one that I would end up joining if it wasn't like that inconvenient for me to go. If uh, yeah, I think the only issue is that uh, Monte Carlo EPT Monte Carlo overlapped us, <laughs> so that's not so good. I, but you know, yeah, it I is what it don't is. Don't like that one. Wonderful, that's great news. <laughs> I think Monte Carlo is boring. Um, yeah, there's not a whole lot to Monte Carlo really. There's a whole lot to the areas around it though. Um, those areas can be quite interesting. And, uh, yeah, I mean, if I had to choose between the two, I would probably go to Taiwan personally, but that's because I've done it a bunch of times and I don't know, it just seems really generic to go to these big high rollers to me, um, which uh, generic and boring are kind of the same yeah. thing. It's like, what yeah. are those big tournaments? I don't care. Like there's nothing, there's some money in it. Yeah. That's also something that we, we did think about, uh, you know, with the APT and we did this like whole branding exercise and, you know, we want to really try and localize it uh, and make it an Asian mm-hmm. tour um, and focus on that aspect of the business as well. So it's not just the cookie cutter events, uh, you know, and tournaments that you just see mm-hmm. everywhere. So it's not an experience that you just change the branding on the wall and it just could be any tournament, you know, that kind of thing. So we're trying to look into that and make sure that the experience is unique as well for the players and make sure that we have our own identity when it comes to that kind of experience. Um, how would you like it to be unique? Um, well, one thing is, uh, how will you put it? The Asian element, oh, okay. right? So like, you know, each each stop uh, is in a different country or not, not each stop, but a lot of the stops are in different countries. Yeah. So, you know, there are certain local customs or local uh, traditions or experiences that you have, uh, which you try and like tie into the brand as well. And even in terms of like uh, the atmosphere and the venue and stuff like this, so that that's one element, um, and of course, like the way things are run, um, and the the current APD has a very family kind of vibe. Everybody knows everybody, and it's a very relaxed atmosphere. So we're trying to keep that uh, as well. So some a lot of things is are things that you can feel, but you can't really you know put into words. I sure. say, uh, so yeah. I would think that family vibe and poker would be hard things to mix. But I'm not. You would think so, but not really, you know, like maybe Asians is just more friendly, I guess. I huh. don't know. Okay, well, I'm a big yeah. fan of the Asian um, Asian stuff in general. Uh, I'm into all sorts of Asian philosophies and things like that and Asian practices. Um, there's a lot of like hidden info in them and a lot of eso... No, not... Eso- uh, yeah, esoteric... Esoteric sort of subjects are in um, come from Asia as well as there's a quite an interesting history to all of that for the people that 
are interested in that kind of thing too. There's lots of crazy stories actually, but I don't know one thing about Malaysia. Uh, I know some things about like some surrounding countries, but uh, um, now I've also been toying around with, with some Asian martial arts as well. But uh, yeah, it's a big place. So uh, there's a lot to be curious about. It happens to be my cup of tea anyway. And uh, something different would be nice than going to some um, random poker stars event, EPT, whatever you want to call it. Have you been to Taiwan before? Uh, I have not. I, yeah, no. Well, there you go. <laughs> there you go. I've been to Japan. I've been to... Korea. Korea? Oh, yeah, Korea for sure. For sure. I have been to um, China, but not really. Like, if you guys manage to go to these kinds of places or to very esoteric places, that could be really interesting. Um, I mean, there's what? There's Cambodia. There's, I think there's poker in Cambodia. Uh, there is, uh, there is poker in Cambodia. Uh, like Nepal and Brunei and all these other uh, smaller countries. I, I, the issue is, I think you might be one of the few that might want to go <laughs> to these countries to play poker, you know, because of access and all that kind of stuff. Um. Oh yeah, it's not so easy to get there. But I think a lot of people are curious. I think I can see there being a decent crowd for curious people in poker. Although it'd be interesting to see a metric on how many poker players are actually legit curious. don't think it's like the biggest trait exactly, but more poker players are more like people that tend to be rule breakers, I've noticed, or like aren't necessarily conventional. That's a big overarching trait, I've noticed. Um, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. I, I read that you have a, uh, an interest in the philosophy of Stoicism. Is that accurate? That is correct, yes. Yeah. Do you want to talk about that? Um, yeah, sure. You know, like, I mean, I, I, I wouldn't say like I'm a disciple or whatever it is, you know, but when I, uh, I think I stumbled upon it through Tim Ferriss, you know, listening to his podcast and his content mm -hmm. and stuff. And that's how I learned about Stoicism. But I realized that I had been doing a lot of uh, stoic practices before I even knew what it was because it's kind of like very related to poker mm -hmm. you know it's all about the process and you know you kind of like get bad beat and you don't complain you know you're making even in the yeah. long run that kind of stuff right so it's it's very related so being like a poker player and trying to be successful at poker you kind of have to cultivate these habits and these kind of values so that you can uh, withstand the tilt swings yeah right and I'm sure you, you feel the same as well uh, and um, and that's why like it's very natural to me uh, Stoicism seems very natural. It makes a lot of sense to me, and I can relate very much to it, which is why I think it, uh, you know, it works out well for me. Let's put it this mm -hmm. way. And uh, and I remember I remember something that you said actually, and I don't know whether this is Stoicism or not, you know. And uh, I I think that's that was something really interesting, and I thought it was really cool. What you said was just because I'm angry, doesn't mean I made the I make the wrong decision in the next hand, you know. I can still be angry and still play my A game, you know. So that was like, I was like, damn, that's cool. Yeah, that's true, actually. It doesn't, doesn't mean that you cannot have emotion, you know. You just got to make sure you play right. Well, yeah, right? well, you have to handle your emotion, uh, for sure. Although, uh, a yeah, lot of stoicism true. is creating habits to, you'll get angry and, like, the, the, the amount of anger, the amount of anger that you feel and the amount of, um, Time it takes to get over. Yeah, I mean, there's anger. there's factors related to it. It can be exacerbated, or it can be a uh, I forgot the other word. They're opposite of exacerbated. Um, but depending on your habits and that kind of thing, 
uh, it can be more easily handled and better handled, uh, you could say. And stoicism builds a lot of habits that help with doing it uh, if it's practiced pretty well, as do many philosophies. I mean, it's sort of like, uh, it's it's more like a rationalist version of, um, I mean, I don't really know a whole lot about it, actually. But it, my, my interpretation was it was a very, like, rationalist version of, like, uh, other Eastern ones. Like, if you really think about it, it's not, many of the principles are not that different from, like, uh, like, mindset. Buddhism or uh, Well, not really. Like, Buddhism has more of a spiritual element to it. Um, I mean, they're kind of related. Like, self-improvement and spiritualism are a bit related um, in that they're not, they're along the same track, you could say. Yeah. Uh, but self-improvement stops with, it mostly focuses on, you could say it focuses on a different kind of game that uh, yields more, that people will understand what I'm talking about. But basically... It, uh, it, it, like, stops once you just reach this point of, like, okay, just having success in life. Um, that may be a better point, whereas it doesn't, like, think, like, what is the point of life and all these other kinds of questions. Yeah, okay, fine. That, that's a fair point. You, I mean, the, the, the reason for, you know, self-improvement is to become successful. That's what you're saying, right? And not for, like, a higher-reaching goal or something along those lines. Well, um, it's more like... It is, but the definition of success, and this is what people have failed to realize, is the definition of success is actually quite arbitrary, right? It's just, oh, like everyone needs money and freedom and all these like obvious things, but no one like takes it to another level and says, okay, well, like why do I want these things? And is there something beyond that kind of thing? Like if you extend self-improvement, then you get to close to spiritualism. You don't get to the whole like, uh, facets of it, but you would end up um, realizing, like, oh, like the then you would get to the point of like, well, what if you're just happy all the time, sort of thing. Um, yeah, I agree. I agree for sure. And like asking yourself why. Yeah, I mean, Tim Ferriss does do a lot of this kind of creates content based on this uh, subject matter per se, and you know, I do quite related, I guess, to what you're saying. Yeah, yeah. So I'm expecting personally that the secrets might be somewhere in Asia related to these subjects of uh, spirituality because there's many different uh, many different philosophies and stuff in Asia that are actually very um, compelling in comparison to the Western ones. But if you actually look in the Western ones, it's the same principles echoed uh, many different times, just looked at it through a different lens a lot of the time. So what kind of um, Asian um, elements or, you know, um, practices or principles do you resonate most most with? You know? uh, I found Hinduism to re be really interesting and ones related to that just because they would say things, in Hinduism it would often say things like, it's really hard to check a lot because there's a lot of um, there's a lot of analogy, like almost everything's an analogy in Hinduism um, like the creation of the universe for example um, or Hermeticism um I think Hermeticism actually was really good. It's older than Hindu Hinduism. Um, within Hinduism, Advaita Vedanta. I mean, they say a lot of things that like logically check out, but they just say it from a different way, and for some reason use this language that 
uh, Western people will not be able to understand easily. I don't really under, I don't know why they're doing that. There's a lot of like clever things they use in Hinduism, like which I mean, basically one of the earliest forms of uh, entertain education through entertainment, which by the way, poker can also be said to be, if you think about it, although, I mean, a lot of people need a bit more guidance to succeed at it, uh, is, is uh, this religious text, the Mahabharata, which is basically an epic of, um, it's big, basically a big story, and it teaches all kinds of lessons and that sort of thing, principles that can be applied to uh, real life, which I find to be really interesting. There's a lot of subtlety in it. Um, if you look really close um, as to like how it pertains to morality and that sort of thing. But you have to be into it to really appreciate these sort of details. But I think the biggest, the, the most important thing is, it's, uh, you know, these stories are essentially education through entertainment as our games. That's what's interested me. Um, and stoicism, uh, yeah, it's good for a lot of things. Making money, being free, and... Uh, Minimizing pain. It's good for all those things, but you can get those also from uh, Buddhism or Advaita Vedanta or like you name it. Yep, I get you. Maybe Stoicism works for me because I'm more straight to the point. So, you know, <laughs> yeah, it's a bit more clear. It's, it's easy to understand. You you don't have to think too much, you know, that kind of thing. Yeah, so yeah. It's more about like the practicality of, of things versus like... Uh, Buddhism is pretty practical. Like Hinduism is like kind of weird sometimes. Uh, yeah. A bit more artistic, creative kind of thing. Yeah. A bit more uh, beauty, beauty in the in the practice. More like somehow like trying to be emotionally compelling or like writing off a bunch of praises or something like that. They like their praises. I guess you. Well. Yeah. Right. Doesn't seem very practical to me. Um, <laughs> yeah, there's some. No, it's a There's joke. some yeah. missing pieces to a lot of it. I would say it's more like, more like a lot of mythology. Actually, I think in some of our history lessons, we do learn a bit about um, you know Hindu law or like some of the stories. Really. Um, and the storybook that you mentioned, uh, is it Ramayana and and uh, is it Mahabharata, the one that you mentioned? Is it the way you draw the circle and all that stuff? And I can't remember exactly, but I do think, yeah, you you know to protect themselves from... It was in a story. I can't remember exactly. It's been a long time, but I do recall learning some of it in, uh, you know, school. A little now, bit. Ramayana was the one before the Mahabharata. The Mahabharata is about, like, Krishna and, like, all the... It's, like, 5,000 years ago, allegedly. Um, but it's completely ridiculous. Right. Uh, I don't know if, how much of it is, like, true. Um, but the Ramayana is, like, 13,000 years ago. Okay, okay. Yeah, well, vaguely I do recall some of these uh, names or words. Yeah, cool. It's good to know that you know you have like appreciation for all this Asian culture and stuff. It's uh, interesting. Yeah, most people don't get to that point, but uh, um, well, it's good. Uh, yeah, it's different. I guess you could say. Do you have any like uh, stories from Malaysia or any like? Uh, trips you've gone into other countries nearby or anything along these lines, especially if you happen to be interested uh, going down that path at all of uh, mysticism and that kind of thing. 
actually, I, I'm born a, a Catholic, right? So my family is a staunch Catholic, pretty much. So not too much, ex- <laughs> not too much exploration on, uh, you know, the mysticism and you know, Catholic <laughs> yeah. and Catholicism for sure there is. Uh, yeah, I guess so, but like not to explore other, uh, you know, religions or cultures per se, you know, in that in that sense, you know, uh, just I guess no, not really. I have never taken um, like you know pilgrimages or trips, uh, religious trips uh, to other countries. Uh, uh, they don't have to be religious. It could just be for yeah. fun. Maybe there's some kind of uh, night out in Hong Kong or. Oh, you mean like oh, you just just those those yeah. stories? Um, let me think. Oh, okay. I have a, a well, well. It's not sad, but it's uh, it was not really a. It's not really Asia. It's Africa. Mm-hmm. So actually, my dad he actually passed away, um, when. Uh, when I actually won an event in the US, like a big event, I think it was the MSPD mm-hmm. tour, you know, and then uh, he passed away on the way flying back from South Africa to England. So he had business uh, in South Africa and he was flying to England and he couldn't breathe on the plane and they had to land the plane in Angola, you know. So then uh, he passed away in Angola. They say he had a heart attack, I don't know. So the problem was we couldn't get his body back to Malaysia. So I actually had to fly to Angola with my uncle and uh, go and claim his body, you know, and the whole process was... Uh, quite eye-opening you know and makes me uh, very thankful for being born in malaysia and living in malaysia yeah it's a uh, it's quite a different place uh, i don't uh, you know suggest um yeah <laughs> going to angola unless you have like big business there or something along those lines pretty uh, pretty different environment i would say i happen to know a tiny amount about angola and that there are a number of very rich people there it's like a little bit more developed than some of the other african countries um yeah, doing things in Africa is very complicated, for the most part. Uh, I have, I have yeah. some Africa experience. I've been to a wedding in Ghana, this, with uh, that there was this like giant. Um, it was like a very rich businessman's wedding, so it was this giant uh, entourage of cars. Uh, it was like twenty cars like lined up, and we went to this other city and dressed all in purple and it was crazy. At this party in this crazy palace, that kind of thing. It went on for seven. That's a very different experience uh, to what I had. You know, when I was there, basically everybody was trying to hustle me, and even yeah. like uh, even the security counter. So when I so the thing is to get to Angola, you need a visa for Malaysian, right? So I stopped in uh, Win Winhook. Where is Winhook? Um, ah, I forget maybe? the name. Um, but it's no, no, it's in Africa. Uh, Winhook. Uh, it's Namibia? Is it Namibia? Not, not Namibia. Uh, well, I forget the name of the country, but uh, the state or country, but it's in Africa, it's near Angola, and there's a Malaysian embassy um, in this place, right? Um, and when I was going to leave to go to Angola, the security guard, or I mean the, the security scanning people, you know, people who check your bags, actually took my boarding pass and tried to hustle me for money for me to get my boarding pass to get on the plane. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, so so it's like uh, I, I so I went went uh, went through um, the scanners and stuff, right? So I got through. I was carrying some cash, okay, because I need to pay for my dad's uh, you know body to be repatriated. So I had some US dollars and stuff, and they're like, you know, you can't bring this money with you. You know, it's too much and blah blah blah. You can't have US. Dollars. I was like, why? You know, why not? I looked on the website. It says that you can, etc., etc. You know, like no, 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 you can't do it. You know, and then they give me a hard time. They didn't want to let me get through. 
And then I was like, okay, you, you just hold on for a second. Let me call uh, the Malaysian ambassador. You know, maybe he can come and sort this out. And then the next thing, you know, they're like, oh, no, no, no. It's fine. If you're transiting, it's fine. <laughs> you know, you can go. You can go, you know. So fine. I went through. I got to the passport counter where they check your passport. And I didn't have my boarding pass. And I was like, you know, hey, where's it gone? You know, I said, oh, I must, I must have left it at the security <laughs> counter, you know. <laughs> so, so, so I went back to the security counter and this bunch of ladies, you know, like maybe four or five of them, you know. And I was like, uh, hi, excuse me, sorry, you know, I think I left my boarding pass here, you know. Um, and, uh, you know, do you, do you see it? And they're like, what's your name? Uh, so my name is, you know, Christopher Michael Soiza. And they're like, ah, so how much you want to pay me? And I was like, I was like what do you mean? <laughs> I said, no. You want to pay me? And I, was like, and I was like, no, no, don't do this. You know, come on, I'm such a nice guy. You know, don't do this to me. You know, and then uh, they, I just kind of like went back and forth. And they're like, ah, okay, fine. You know, here you go. You know, take your boarding pass back. <laughs> yeah, you know, and and that was that was sick. You know, like even even to get into the airport, the guy at the door that allows people to get into the airport who checks your boarding pass and your passport was trying to hustle me for money to get into the airport. Yeah, you know, and I, that's like that's so strange. You know, like. I, it's just so open and, and, and you know, like, uh, I don't know. It's just what didn't make me feel very comfortable, to be honest. Yeah. And and actually, uh, in when I was in Angola, the only way we got around and managed to communicate and stuff was uh, through the help of a Catholic priest who my mom, uh, you know, like, had contact through the church or something along those lines. And, you know, they were helping us translate. They speak Portuguese. So they're helping us translate and, you know, to, to speak to the mortuary and all that kind of stuff, right? And, and one day, we went to change money, right? And then I had to wait in the car, right? Me and my uncle had to wait in the car and then they, they went to change the money in the market, right? And uh, I asked, like, you know, why can't we follow? Or, or, you know, what happens if I go and change the money myself? And the priest said that, uh, well, if you change the money, they'll change it for you, but then they'll rob you after that. Yeah. <laughs> so, you know, it's, it's, quite, uh, it's quite different, you know, like we, use, we take it for granted that we're in such safe places, you know, that we can walk around freely and, and there's no issues. But these guys, you know, they're, they're really struggling, you know, it's, it's difficult for them, you know, their life is pretty hard, yeah. And even the hotel I was staying in looked like it was a prison fortress, you know, you had like barbed wire on the fences and stuff and all the walls were like, you know, three feet thick. And I was like, why? It's like, oh, in case there are riots, you know, because there are riots and stuff sometimes. Uh, yeah, so it's like, hmm, different. I have way. not had this experience in Africa so far. Yeah, you in a palace in Africa, bro, <laughs> that's a whole different thing, you know. <laughs> I mean, I've been in a few countries, but I've never been, I've never had the barbed wire experience or like, yeah, I don't think I've been robbed in Africa, actually. Um, not for much, that's for sure. <laughs> what does that What does that mean? Does that mean that you have been robbed? I mean, but like, people try to hustle you all the time in um, the northern African countries especially, but I'm sure there's ones that you just don't want to go to. They, they, they'll, do, they'll do it in Morocco and Egypt and these kinds of places. Um, I don't know. I haven't had too much experience with that. Apparently, they hustle more when there's more peace. That's what I've heard. Is when there's war, there's, they don't hustle so much. Uh, but I haven't been to the war turn one ones. Uh, I haven't decided to venture into <laughs> those. I'm not that curious. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't. Yeah, I don't know. You look like a prime target if yeah. you ask me. <laughs> I'd rather not tempt uh, a lot of uh, a lot of people. Don't want to like. Yeah, um, so uh, I, I read that you don't want to be doing poker uh, after after like twenty years. Uh, are you gonna like quit it totally, or do you have other plans? Like, what what are you thinking? Gonna become an African uh, oh. emissary? 
I don't know. It's more like just the concept of that, you know, the thing about poker is a great game and, you know, it's a good way to make uh, mm -hmm. money to a certain extent. But, of course, the ceiling is kind of kept because it's only X amount of money to be won, right? Unless you get into, like, super good private games and stuff like that. Um, not only that, it's becoming more and more competitive every year. There's more educational material. People are getting better. There's more software, you know. Kids are working harder than you, that kind of thing. And, and the bottom line is that if you don't play, you can't make money. You need to sit at the table. You need to play online. You need to spend the time doing the activity to actually make money, right? And you can't scale. There's no leverage. Um, you know, you could say that, you know, you can start a stable and stuff, but it's not reliable, you know. It depends too much on human factors and stuff as well. Um, so I think, like, for me, uh, looking at where I want to be in 20 years' time, I don't think poker is going to get me there. I want to be more, uh, I wouldn't say relaxed, but just not have to actually spend physical time being somewhere or doing something. I want more flexibility, you know. And um, business perhaps could uh, provide that for me. So, uh, like, I've been trying to transition myself or at least educate myself and slowly look in that direction as well in case there are more opportunities. So, like, for example, the ABT is an example of something that hopefully in the future could pay uh, dividends based on the, you know, input that has been uh, put in at this point, you know. Something that can scale, something that uh, that you can use leverage to, you know, multiply your income, that kind of thing. Yeah, it is difficult to scale at some point in poker. Um, now, the APT sounds quite promising. It'd be on the operating, operating end of uh, poker sorts of things. I've been, like, looking for ways to scale myself. Uh, yeah, money-wise, it's not particularly simple we've been messing around with content and things like that i mean the podcast by the way is a way of uh of creating uh influence or yeah influence like a platform for influence which at some point i realized okay well i care about money but i don't just care about money i care about making an impact and that kind of thing um and they're a bit related uh they're not they're correlated they're not 100 percent aligned um I, uh, yeah, I mean, that makes a lot of sense. If you want, like, a comfortable life, poker isn't ideal for that. Um, you have to invest in something. Uh, it's quite a good idea, I would say. Yeah, poker's, um, yeah, poker's pretty good to get quite a bit of money. And I still think, uh, it's still growing pretty fast. And, yeah, while kids are studying, I think... I mean, it's just, it's going to be not that easy to, there's just be too many spots out there where there's money, in my experience. It's not, like, going to catch up super fast. Like, of all the industries out there, there are other, there's much more competition and um, some really big industries that are going super, super fast, like technology and uh, um, the one you were just talking about, actually, stocks is super fast. Uh, yeah. like very fierce yeah. competition much more obvious and you know all of like mit and these do you know what mit is yeah yeah yeah, yeah. Um, is it michigan institute of technology yeah, or something yeah. it is? like super smart people like trying yeah. to trade and i personally yeah yeah i MIT, keep meeting yeah. these like massive traders that go to la and dubai and these kinds of places oh dubai dubai is good um yeah yeah crypto traders yeah equity traders mm -hmm. you know 
all sorts of traders. The trade like the math guys, like I have some friends who are really smart as well. And you know, they're more math guys, um, and they just basically trade whatever. It doesn't matter, it could be a barrel of sand, you know, and as long as there's a someone to sell it to, you know, they can trade it, you know, that kind of thing. <laughs> so it's very interesting, you know, like yeah, it's 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 very cool, you know. Um but you know, unfortunately math is not my my strongest forte, you know, not yeah. not at their level, you know. Yeah, yeah. that. Um <laughs> but the numbers that they are talking about are ridiculous, you know. They're obscene numbers, you know. It's like hundreds of millions, you know, that that kind of thing, you know. It's just insane. Yeah, oh, yeah, it makes sense. Um, you know, the swings are a little less, also, and they like they're pieced out in companies and super complicated stuff with economics, I think, and or or manipulating markets possibly. I don't know. Um, oh, uh, but I guess you're going to keep traveling the circuit for a while. You're going to keep going to the Tritons, maybe add some more trophies to the wall. Is that the plan in the near future? Yeah, that that is uh, that is kind of the plan, yeah. Um, I think I'll be spending a bit of time on the APT and other stuff, so I, maybe not as much, so I guess I'll choose my stops uh, mm-hmm. a bit more. But yeah, I'll still continue to play, for sure. Yeah, well, like another thing that I, I spoke with some friends about is like, you know, I did spend a lot of time trying to get good as well. So it's a bit of a waste to just stop, you know, to a certain extent. I know it's kind of like a sunk cost, but I do enjoy playing a lot, you know, so that that's why so I still like to play. Yeah. Um, I mean, it's like kind of an asset. You can probably make money with it for a while if you really have to. Uh, at least that's how I viewed it. Uh, but even I realized I had to like start working a bit, took a couple hints. Uh, you could say. So building the Jungle Man brand, pretty much. Right uh, figuring out a way to do that, you could say, yeah. Uh, I want to throw a couple random questions at you to see a bit more of what you're like outside of uh, the typical, um, the typical poker sort of thing. Uh, do some curveballs. Mm-hmm, What's the biggest lesson that you learned? biggest lesson yeah. that I've learned uh, well there's a book uh, by Ryan Holiday called Ego is mm-hmm. the Enemy I think that's uh, quite a big principle that, uh, that I try to hold on to because you know we learn a lot more when we have an open mind and you know don't think that we know everything so yeah I think that's a pretty good lesson for me oh, that's a good one um, all the philosophies essentially well I don't know if they all say that but a lot of them uh, are they essentially good at something like that? Or I would just say ego is just a shorter term looking way of looking at things versus the bigger picture. It's always like uh, the spirit, conventional spirituality looks at it that way, uh, which seems to work a lot of the time. But that was a good one. Good answer. Thank you. <laughs> What's your biggest pet peeve? Um, the first one that came to mind was actually a, a poker right. one. Uh, people eating with their bare hands on the table and touching the chips, that? especially when it's like something. Uh, well, well, people, you know, <laughs> people do it. Yeah, yeah. I like the World Series. You see people, you know, eating like chips or whatnot and touching the chips and and then eating the chips again. You know, and they, they just don't care. You know, even for their own um, health. You know, the chips are gross. You know, like the chips on the table are gross, and then they're eating their potato chips with the same. You know, the fingers. Chips are kind of gross. Too. Don't like it. I like potato chips, just not. While playing poker, sure. you know, and you know, with dirty hands, yeah, yeah. the uh, bad health on both sides, I guess. Well, but I mean, what, whatever, something like <laughs> something gross in there. <laughs> but I eat them. Yeah, you gotta live a bit, you know. You can't, you can't just be, you know, sterile and you know, follow, you know, 
GTO all the time, right? You gotta, you know, get a bit tricky here and there. Okay. Not, uh, not playing live GTO all the time. All right, sounds far more fun. Uh, yeah. What do you think people misunderstand about you? Mm, I think people, uh, people think that I'm very, very uh, playful, right? And like very happy-go-lucky and very, uh, uh, you know, light. Like wouldn't say lighthearted, but you know, happy go lucky, very chill. You know, I I am generally so in my mannerism, but when it comes to like professional stuff and work, I'm actually very serious. But people just don't see that side of me um, until we actually interact, like uh, on a business level, or you know, uh, when it comes to a work kind of environment. You know, so that's something that uh, people do do. Uh, well, I wouldn't say get surprised, but something that you know they might not expect. So you're more of a businessman than uh, perhaps most poker players are. For I would say so, yes. Well, yeah, yeah, I guess you have to be, maybe APT is grooming you to be a uh, good ambassador and all that kind of stuff. <laughs> Hopefully, yes. What about uh, biggest regret? Okay, so this one I actually thought about, you know, because like, you know, thinking about the stuff that you want to do better uh, in the future and, and that kind of thing, right? So like there's one that really jumps out to me very, very clearly. Um, I was at the PSPC in the Bahamas, the first one, right? So what year was that? 2019, yeah. was it? Uh, I believe so, mm -hmm. right? And uh, when, I was a ch when I was a kid, I really liked skateboarding, yeah. you know? And Tony Hawk was my idol. And, um, you know, I wanted to be a pro skater, all that kind of stuff when I was 12, right? fractured my ankle jumping downstairs okay fine whatever so at the PSPC Tony Hawk was there I don't know if you were uh, in the Bahamas at the time but Tony Hawk Tony Hawk was at the PSPC right and he was like just chilling you know like during break he's just like standing outside in the corridor alone right and I was like I was like holy shit it's Tony Hawk right so I went up to him and said hey Tony I'm a big fan you know it's nice to meet you shook his hand but I didn't take a photo and that is like a big regret for me, you know, because he was a big part of my childhood really? you know, and like um, all the stuff I did back then. Yeah, yeah. And I didn't take a photo. I was like, why did I take a photo? Now that I think back on it, it's dumb, you know. Yeah, I don't know. Just like maybe I just froze in, at the moment or, you know, maybe I was just too cool to ask for a photo. I don't know. But yeah, that's def definitely a regret for me, you know. Yeah. It's, it seems kind of silly, but, you know, I really thought about it and I really do regret, you know. Yeah. Uh, besides that, uh, nothing much else that came to mind because I do think about this question uh, a decent amount, you know. So I really try to do my best to make sure that I don't regret uh, decisions I make. You know, that's how kind of how I go about them. So, so far I think I've been okay, um, but this this one's stuck in my mind for uh, sure. Did you skate or did you play his video games? Like, why is he? I did all yeah. of the above. I skated, I played his video games. I even have, um, you know, skateboards now. I still have, I went in, you know, in Barcelona recently, the last Barcelona last year, I went and bought knee pads and elbow pads because I want to start skating again, but I'm old, so I can't afford to injure myself, really? you know. Oh, that's so um, funny. Then, um, I would have yeah, thought, yeah, like, yeah. thought uh, Michael Soyser skates. He's a skater. <laughs> just like I don't skate well, but but I, I like to skate, yeah. So, like, if you see, like, a lot of my shoes, I always skate shoes as well. Uh, yeah. I would have never. So, it's like legacy oh, for my childhood. So you never I played guessed, the video huh? game. I was so bad <laughs> at skateboard at like anything along those lines of like feet coordination. I was so bad, but I like. I mean, if I saw if if I saw you skating, it would just blow my mind. I might have an aneurysm. Um, but now I guess. I <laughs> Come on, man! <laughs> like, but, but why? I would have thought. 
Okay, well, I'm happy I asked that question. I just didn't think. I was thinking in my head, does he skate? Like, what? Who? Yeah, I skate. I skate. I still skate. Like, like, yeah, I've I've skated at least once in the past two years, or you know, something like this. Can you do like tricks? Can you do like a three sixty or, or I don't know. So so my so my goal for you know starting to skate again is to do a three sixty flip, right? A tray flip, whatever you call it. Uh, I've landed a click kick flip a few yeah. times in my life when I was a kid, but you know I also fractured my ankle, yeah. so you know, uh, kind of slowed me down. Uh, but I can ollie and stuff. I can skate. I can do a fifty fifty grind oh. on a box, you know that kind of. Stuff. I built a ramp in my backyard with my cousin, uh, you know, as one of my lifelong dreams to build a skate park <laughs> in my backyard. So we did that. <laughs> we 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 spent four hundred dollars buying wood, and then uh, in Malaysia it rains a lot. So the wood uh, kind of got rotten <laughs> within three months because the, it kept raining on it. So even though we varnished it and tried to seal the wood, it didn't last long. So yeah, it was fun. You know, it was fun when we did it. Yeah. I almost, well, first of all, it's crazy that you can actually do like some real tricks, uh, like some ollies and uh, that like, I don't even know if my yeah, audience sure. will know what an ollie is. Like, it's like a, it's like a jump with a skateboard. A 360 is like, a, uh, you have to go up and turn around, right? land yeah but a 360 flip is the board spins uh 360 degrees and also flips at the same time so that's a 360 flip oh yeah it's pretty card trick i would say yeah yeah i can't do it that was my goal <laughs> i plan to learn and I, I think i'll still try and learn it by the time I'm, before i'm 40 i guess i don't know i got a good you know couple of years yeah yeah i'm sure you could um i like you know, when I was in San Diego, going all Diego Dan, I was thinking uh, Dan Diego would, uh, I don't know if you saw that, but. I saw that. I saw the Frisbee. I saw you doing random shit, you know, building the Jungle Man brand. Yeah, don't think I didn't see that, man. <laughs> I saw that. I, I figured, like, yeah. Dan Diego would probably skate. Like, that doesn't seem that unusual. Like, I contemplated getting, like, a skateboard and just, like, riding it around in the poker <laughs> Yeah, he, Dan Diego would skate. Normally, it's like the, the uh, well, two of it, right? Surf and skate, right? Yeah, and snow. Well, snowboard, surf, and skateboard. Yeah, sure. I think uh, that, that'll need some practice to work that into uh, the character, but I wish I could. It um, probably let me get away with it a little bit. You know? <laughs> uh, it's not too hard. Yeah. Like, doing these tricks is like very hard. Um as you get older, the cost is higher as well because you fall and you injure yourself, you know. Recovery yeah. is slow. All right. Uh, I got uh, one uh, last question. What would be the title of your autobiography? Huh. Well, this is a tough one, man. Like, you can't, you can't come up with this in, like, two minutes. It's like, you know, you spend, like, three weeks coming up with well, You've title, got your you know? whole... Uh, um, you've, you've thought about what you want to do with your life a bit, I would think, and... Well, okay, I guess I'll just say the first thing that just came to my mind. I think I guess it would be live good. All right. It's hard to go wrong with yeah. that. Um, yeah, I remember you also said yeah. that time is your most valuable commodity. And it's true. Asset uh, commodity, sure. Yeah, yeah, I would say so. Um, yeah. I agree, for sure. Big part of uh, what... what uh, I mow my life around, I guess. So, like, I stay with my family as well. Stay with my mom, stay with my sister and stuff. And we get along really well. And I think it's, it's good to be close to each other because I travel a lot. So, it's nice to see each other when I'm back, even if it's five minutes in the kitchen on a daily basis, you know. Um, it's just have, it's good to keep in contact constantly as best you can, you know. Because we don't have much time with each other, you know. Mm -hmm. Yeah. 
So uh, Michael Soiza, the family man and the businessman, and uh, the the pro skater of the poker world too. <laughs> I'm better at snowboarding than I am at skating. Yeah, yeah. Uh, nice. Sure. Well, any. Uh, Maybe next time I get invited as a businessman. I'll yeah, try you to should work that angle. Based on this uh, podcast. I'm sure you are trying to work that angle, but I don't think you're going to get past it. What's that? I'm sure you are trying to work that angle, but I don't think you're going to get past it. businessman for Triton. Yeah. I don't think I'm going to get that. I, mean, I don't think I'm going to get that. I'd, I'd sooner be hired as like, um, put together an entertainment gig. <laughs> Like, I think there's, like, a higher chance that I, like, somehow managed to put on a show. This would give me some comps. I'm working on some skills. Well, any plans for the future or anything else? I mean, perhaps you want to promote APT. I, obviously, that's going to be a big part of your future. Mm -hmm. So, like, the short-term plan is to get uh, the APT going um, as best as it can. So, April will be our big event mm -hmm. in Taiwan. Um, so, you know, if you, I mean, I'm sure you haven't been to Taiwan, you know, always welcome to come along and uh, we are focusing very much on that at this point. And of course, you know, play more poker, hopefully win more money um, and yeah, get a bit more healthy, perhaps, you know, that that's also something that you're know, trying to work on. Yeah. Not as easy as it seems, you know. Yeah. But uh, yeah, thank you for having me. You know, it's been uh, very entertaining, you know, I would say. Always good with you, Dan. <laughs> You're a funny man. You know, like uh, one of the, the funniest stories uh, that I, I remember seeing from you was the one where you, you're playing in Bobby's room with Ike, you know, and you keep calling him the Dark Prince. <laughs> I found that extremely hilarious. Yeah. yeah. It's kind the of Dark, dark Prince. Prince. That was the running name for him in, uh... yeah, in Bobby's room. <laughs> he, uh... he hasn't shown his face. He's been in hiding, I guess some reason did, did, did you give him this name or when you say his running name you know given by it you was, I assume. it was given by uh david oppenheim and i uh i tried to steal it myself actually but i wasn't that dark as part of the problem i i forget i was dressed actually in black <laughs> but i don't think he was his hair and hairdo just looks a little dark uh, he wasn't living up to the name yeah, he def that, that's why it's funny, because you look at Ike, you definitely would not think Duck Prince, you know, he's wearing his white Uniqlo t-shirt, you know, or whatever, you know, and he's just, yeah, not not quite the Duck Prince in my eyes. Well, yeah. But it was funny. He came and tried to conquer Bobby's room, but uh, appears he's failed, but uh, I'm sure he's out there lurking <laughs> somewhere. But now he's too rich, maybe. <laughs> he conquered some... <laughs> oh, man. Yeah, cool. Yeah, maybe All see right, you then. in Taiwan, and good luck with the APT. And yeah, thank you for your time, Michael. Yep. And good luck with uh, doing the thank 360 you, if you manage to do it. You should have made some content. <laughs> <laughs>